Good morning. I'm Brian Carroll, equipping pastor at Cypress Bible Church. My privilege to welcome you here this morning. We are glad that you're here and to worship with us, whatever your circumstances have been this week. Uh, we just hope that this morning will be a time of connecting with God, a time of worship, and a time of refreshing your spirit. Uh, today reminds me that uh, uh, many years ago, uh, Jesus entered into Jerusalem, traditionally called Palm Sunday, as a time where people had high expectations of what Jesus was going to accomplish. Little did they know that what he would accomplish would be so much different and uh, so much more significant, really. It's why we have faith in Christ to begin with. The very fact that he gave his life to die for us and then was resurrected as well. And uh, a verse from that passage that I was just looking at this morning is um, as he entered into Jerusalem and people laid their coats and the palm branches on the ground, uh, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And so today we, we come together to worship that indeed uh, Jesus is the one who came in the name of the Lord and Jesus is our Savior and that uh, we come to worship him. Uh, this week as we prepare for Easter, my encouragement to you is that you would look in the Gospels. Uh, any one of the Gospels has content that talks about that last week in Jesus' life as a way to prepare even next week when we come together to celebrate Easter Sunday uh, or as we prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday. Um, there are a few announcements I would like to make. Last week it was mentioned, and if you had tuned into our service, that we have lots of virtual programming online. I'm just going to show you how to get to that. And so the best way to do that is to go to the website, and I'm just going to show you that right now. I'm going to share that screen with you here. And you can see that this is our website page. And if you go to the virtual programming link, um, you'll see that's over towards the right-hand side, and click on that then that will pull up all our virtual programming. And as we scroll down there, you will see that uh, we have daily devotionals. Those started last week. You can go back and read any one of those or watch, I should say, any one of those if those are of interest to you and know that there will be one put up every single day by 10 a.m. Also, we have prayer meetings coming up every Thursday at 7 p.m. That is using the Zoom format. If you click there, it'll take you through that and give you instructions how to connect with Zoom. Uh, two things you can either click audio only or you can connect audio and video so that you can see and people can see you on there and then down below that you'll see that we're offering training uh, we so far have had training on how to share your testimony we've had training on being calm and uh, you'll see those there this coming week on tuesday morning at 10 a.m we have a connecting training it's really how to connect with others uh, in the midst of social distancing and uh, some tools that will help you do that and how you can uh, gather and connect and, and support each other and then also so that is tuesday at 10 a.m if you want to join us you'll go to the link that'll be listed here and you can join us on that and then also um, on thursday of this week at 10 a.m you can come uh, tim weeper will be talking about bless every home and that'll give us information about how we can be a blessing to those in our community and neighborhood even while social distancing and so i encourage you to check out those trainings as they're helpful to you if we scroll down a little further, you'll see Kids Life is beginning a regular uh, service every Saturday at uh, 4 p.m. and is on, I believe, their Facebook page. But if you click there, it'll take you there. And then you'll also see some other resources. A men's ministry starts their meeting this coming Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And again, this is the place you'll go to check that out. Uh, high school, middle school ministry, those links will take you to things that are going on and communication that's happening in those groups. And then a variety of other things are happening. And then uh, we encourage you, that's the page that you're going to go to uh, to get all the latest updates. If you're accessing this via a phone, 
then you will need to go into the top left-hand corner. Up there, there's a little menu items that are listed. Click on that, and then you'll scroll down to see where virtual programming is. Um, but we hope that you'll be able to join us for some of that virtual programming uh, as we continue to support each other. There is one new thing that we're going to be doing and going to be launching those this coming week, and that are we are starting some new virtual groups. Many of our existing groups, small groups, home groups, uh, grow groups, um, Sunday AM classes um, are already meeting online in virtual ways. Uh, we would invite you to become part of one of those communities if you're not already. And so if you'll go to that same virtual programming page, there'll be a little uh, survey that you can fill out about when you're available and, and uh, what would fit best into your time schedule. And then we will connect you into a virtual group so that you can become part of another group of people, encourage you, walk alongside you, with you, and pray with you, study together, and uh, so we'd encourage you to check that out this week and sign up if that's a help to you. I um, also want to draw attention to the fact this morning we're celebrating communion, um, and so there's a couple things. We've already pulled together the things we're going to need in our home, so we're just using saltine crackers. We don't have any grape juice, but we do have cranberry juice, and then we have cups for everybody in our home just to make sure that we're not sharing things we shouldn't be sharing. And, um, and so we encourage you to go ahead and get your communion elements ready so that when we have that part of the service, that you'll be prepared and ready to do that. We are so thankful that you're here and uh, glad to have you join us in worship. And just pray that today will be a day of great blessing in your life as, um, as we worship God together. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. We are here to worship the living God. We're here to lift up and praise the name of Jesus. So we begin, I want to look at a passage of Scripture. We want to read this together. This is Philippians 2, and we're going to read this together. Read this aloud, if you will, as we open up our time. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, may we lift him up in praise this morning. Let's sing together. Sing it with us. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break. His broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? How God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him.
open up the gate. So open up the gate. Make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. But who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him oh, yeah, yeah. one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father who could stop who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Sing it over the battle. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? the Lord Almighty, who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Let's sing this great hymn together. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing. Died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of heaven, one with the Father known, one with the
be to the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. Uh, we're so excited that you get to gather with us this morning, though we're not here physically. Uh, we are together, uh, brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited about what God continues to do in this crazy world. Uh, and we're excited that we get to come together and worship him this morning. Uh, so as we look forward to this next week, uh, Easter is, is upon us. And so next Friday, we will be celebrating Good Friday. And we'll have a service at noon. And so please uh, look for uh, announcements as to how you can participate in that. Uh, we would also encourage you to join us in fasting uh, that day. We want to fast as a church. So however the Lord leads you to fast, whether that's part of the day, all the day, or however he leads you, uh, would you join us in that? So join us next Friday for a Good Friday service. Uh, I'm going to lead us now in prayer as we enter into worship this morning. Uh, Father, we give you thanks and praise for this opportunity we have this morning to worship you. Lord, we pray that uh, though we cannot gather together, that, that we would feel a sense of unity because of what you've accomplished in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that we would be drawn together by his blood and by the power of his resurrection that is within us. May we be more than conquerors in these dark days. May we be the light that draws the world to you. So as we worship you this morning, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified that you would speak to us through your word and through these songs. And uh, as we pray uh, this day, Lord, may we lift you up and glorify you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and Levites asked him who he was. Fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now this all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Behold the Lamb Slain from the foundation of the world For sinners crucified For holy sacrifice 
fact about me is that I've always had this interest in raising sheep. I wanted to be a, a sheep farmer for some reason. And uh, thinking that someday I would raise sheep somehow or other, I had a small collection of books that uh, I read through a few times to uh, figure out what had to be done to uh, raise sheep. And also owned a uh, sheep herding dog for about 12 years, but the, uh, the dog died, hasn't been replaced, and um, I guess Hurricane Harvey wiped out my sheep herding books along with about a thousand others, so uh, I'm not prepared to go into the sheep farming business anytime soon, and just as well because I'm sure my homeowners association would uh, not be fond of me bringing a lamb into the neighborhood. Uh, but actually, if you think about it, it's the ideal pet. There are no claws or sharp teeth. It's cuddly and docile, produces wool, eats grass, and can be eaten as well. Uh, so I think it's ideal in that way. Certainly lambs are symbols of innocence and of purity and of helplessness. And as we enter Holy Week, which is the most significant time of all in Christianity. The image of the lamb is crucial. It's vital. Um, knowing about the lamb, I think, is, is central to understanding the good news of Jesus in all its implications. Now, the lamb, one way or another, is mentioned all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There are, by my count, 11 different Hebrew words and four different Greek words that are used to talk about a lamb. And so that totals up to about 750 times it's mentioned in the Bible. So it's a significant theme in that way. And I, I want to trace the story of the lamb this morning. Uh, in doing so, that will, 
that will lead us to the communion table, to celebrating and remembering Christ's death for us. And as well, help us to focus as we, as we look ahead to commemorating his sacrificial death on the cross, his time in the grave, and his glorious resurrection on next Sunday morning. So I, I want to uh, remind you, because really these are familiar passages, but I want to remind you of four different stories of a lamb, beginning with the first book of the Bible. And there we talk about a lamb for a man. See, in Genesis, the fourth chapter, we read that Adam and Eve started a family, and their two sons, the firstborn was Cain, and the secondborn was Abel, and these two boys grew up to be men and earned their way in the world. We read this in Genesis 4, verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So we have uh, Abel being a shepherd and Cain a farmer. And they both, both brought something to God. But God favored the animal offering over the vegetable offering. Now, why? Is God fickle? Is he capricious? Does uh, he prefer meat over vegetables? Uh, Doesn't he know that it's the thought that counts, right? Well, the hint here is in what they brought, that Abel brought the fat portions from the firstborn. Now, in our fat-phobic society, it's hard to understand that in Scripture, fat has a different connotation. Uh, in our day, it uh, seems, at least in my life, to be a natural result of, of being locked in with the coronavirus pandemic and uh, what happens there. The fat increases a little. But in Scripture, we see fat as something, as a sign of the blessing of God, of prosperity, of the best. Certainly in animal offerings and sacrifices, the fat portion was considered the best. And and that's what Abel brought to God and also from the firstborn. So he was giving God the best that he had. Uh, Now, Cain's offering was not from his first harvest. doesn't say that. So Cain seems to lack authenticity and his gift like a half-hearted token, not out of reverence to God. Uh, Cain's reaction to God's questioning here reveals the truth of his heart. Uh, He's furious. And if you read further in the passage, you see that God gives him a a chance to respond appropriately, but Cain refuses to listen, and uh, things get worse from there. But So just consider the difference between those two gifts. Abel brought the pick of the flock. Cain brought some of his crop. Uh, Abel brought the best of the best, Cain gave what was convenient. And God looked at the heart. Uh, The gift of the first lamb, the finest lamb, made Abel acceptable to God. By the way, what you give God shows what you think of him. Uh, If you truly reverence God, if you are in awe of who he is, then it will be reflected in what you offer to him in every way, whether it is actual gifts or sacrifices of praise how you live your life 
what you give God shows what you think of him, and you have to come to God on his terms. So don't worship him out of habit or tradition or to be seen by other people. Uh, Don't give God what's left over, what's convenient, what's substandard. God sees your heart. For Abel, it was a lamb, the finest. It's a lamb for a man. The second story is about a lamb for a family. We come to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, and we find that God's people, Israel, are slaves in Egypt. God sent them a deliverer in Moses, and uh, Moses goes before Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, to convince him to let God's people go, and God would lead them to the promised land. But Pharaoh refused, and so God sent plagues upon Egypt. First, the Nile River was turned to blood. I mean, their major source of life there turned to blood. I can't imagine a more disgusting outcome. And whether it was a vessel of wood or, or metal, it was blood. And imagine trying to get a drink. And so the, the Egyptians figured out to dig ditches to try and get water for those days that the, the Nile was turned to blood. That was the first plague. And then there were frogs everywhere. I mean, everywhere, hopping into your home, in the bowl where you made your meal, on your face while you're laying in bed at night, frogs everywhere. And then um, the whole land swarmed with gnats and then flies. Imagine every breath sucking bugs into your nose and mouth. That was the experience of Egypt. And then a plague came that wiped out Egypt's horses, donkeys, camels, sheep, cows, So you had bloated carcasses everywhere. Egypt was not a good place to be in those days. That was followed by a skin disease on all the Egyptians. Their bodies covered with boils and sores. Imagine the misery of just everyday life. And then hail came and pummeled the landscape. and It destroyed everything that wasn't undercover, whether it was human or animal, plant life. And after the hail was gone, what was left and hadn't been destroyed was then destroyed by locusts. These swarms of of insects just devoured the fields and covered the houses of Egypt. Not a green thing remained in the nation. The ninth plague was a darkness so thick, the Bible says you could feel it. And it settled over Egypt like a thick blanket. You couldn't see anything. And, And so... No one moved for three days. And then the last plague. And this one was where the firstborn in every house would die at midnight. And there was only one way out of this. And here's some of the instruction in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So that was God's instruction to his people in order to escape the angel of death, the destroyer that was to come at midnight. An unblemished lamb, a pure lamb, had to be killed, and that blood applied to the doorposts of your house. So when the angel of death came through town, it wasn't your nationality that mattered. It wasn't about how much money you had or didn't have. It wasn't even about the strength of your faith. The only issue was the presence of the blood, the blood of a 
perfect lamb saved a family. A lamb for a man, a lamb for a family, and next is a lamb for a nation. We move along in Scripture to 1 Samuel, and we find that God's people had failed him. Despite all that he had done for them, uh, they, he, they failed him in many ways. They worshipped other gods. I mean, here's the God that brought them out of slavery and provided in every way, and they turned to other gods, gods like Baal. Uh, Baal was the god of fertility and rain. Ashtaroth was another god they worshipped, but she was a goddess of sex and war. And so every village had images and, and idols of these gods and others that they bowed down to and sacrificed to and worshipped. And, and the temples, the temples that were built to worship the one true God were places of prostitution. But finally, after this long time of turning their backs on the one true God, people began to repent. And they cried out to the Lord God to save them, to forgive them. And the prophet Samuel said, listen, what you need to do is tear down all those idols and altars to false gods and seek the one true God with all your heart. Well, while they're still confessing their sin and turning to God, the Israelites learned that there was more trouble on the way, and this was very pressing trouble. The, the enemy armies of the Philistines, that long enemy of theirs, was gathering to attack them, to wipe them out. So the, the people of Israel here, the enemy is coming with these armies and they're terrified and they beg Samuel to, to just intercede for us, go to God and, and have God rescue us from the enemy. Look what Samuel did. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf and the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. So here we have the blood of a lamb covering the sin of the entire nation, making them acceptable to God. And he rescues them, he saves them. So this Lamb for a nation took care of their sin. Now see, that, the reality is that that's how God's law worked. It required that all sin be cleansed by blood. It's costly. That, to give us an idea of how, how sin abhorrent it is to God, how far short we fall of his glory, his, his perfection, that, that sin needs to be dealt with in a, in a very costly way. Forgiveness is only possible by the shedding of blood. And so, therefore, God instituted this sacrificial system in Israel, uh, and, and that meant things like a lamb was sacrificed every morning and every evening to cover over sin. And each year at Passover, commemorating the, the rescue in Egypt, every Hebrew family killed a lamb and then roasted the meat for their meal. And that blood was, was required for dealing with sin before God. And day after day and month after month and year after year, this was repeated. So if you were an Israelite, animal sacrifices were a routine and necessary part of everyday life. I, I want you to think of that. That was normal life. You read the Old Testament now, and it's, it's hard for some of us to, to grab onto that because it's so foreign to our existence today. 
not only in Israel was a lamb sacrificed every morning and every evening, but any time there was ritual uncleanliness with a man or with a woman, a lamb was sacrificed. Every time a child was born, there was a sacrifice. Every time a, there was a skin disease or when the disease cleared up, there was a sacrifice. And then there were the special offerings on the Sabbath and the new moon and the annual festivals. And so the priests were instructed to keep the fires burning all the time. The, the, the fires of the altar on which the sacrifices were given, they were to burn constantly. And so for centuries upon centuries, the, this altar had been lit. Sacrifices given. I want you to bear that in mind because if you were an Israelite, then the smell of blood and the sound of the sheep being slaughtered and the sight of a bloody sacrifice that was part of daily life. And that was the only way you could be accepted by God. We come to the New Testament, and it opens with the birth of Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And the angel announced his arrival, saying, Call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The shepherds left their flocks to witness this remarkable event. Wise men traveled from the Far East, bringing gifts for this one born a king. Now we read very little about Jesus' growing up years in the Bible. But then at age 30, his ministry begins. And John the Baptist is preaching in the desert, telling everyone to repent, to prepare the way, to get ready for the Messiah to come, the Christ, the anointed one. And so here's where we read about a lamb for the world. John 1.29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I give you all that background to just help you get a little glimpse that if you're an Israelite, you knew exactly what John meant. I mean, you knew all too well the constant need for a sacrificial lamb. And John is saying, this man is a sacrifice for sin. Now, in ancient Israel, if you were going to worship God, you had to bring your own lamb. And it had to be a lamb without blemish, without defect, defect and if you didn't have a suitable lamb you had to buy one you couldn't borrow it and by the way good luck trying to give a lamb back after you've slaughtered it here's your lamb and you couldn't receive one as a gift from somebody else no john said here is god's lamb God has provided the sacrifice for us. And so to those who heard John say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this meant three shocking things. Three shocking things. And they should be just as surprising and meaningful to us today. One is it meant that Jesus would be slaughtered. He'd be slaughtered. This would not be some ordinary death. He wouldn't die in battle. Uh, This wouldn't be a peaceful decline into old age or an accidental fatality or a painless passing. Jesus would die like a sacrificial lamb dies. He would be butchered. Butchered. The Greek word is fadzo, which means to be slaughtered. It's used of Jesus as the slain lamb several times in Scripture. 
So when the people heard this, that's what they understood. That this, this is the one. He's going to be slaughtered like a lamb. Second, it meant that Jesus' death would take away sin. Take it away. That, that's what's different with what John says. You see, the animal sacrifices, they simply covered over sin. Every lamb offered was a temporary remedy for the sin problem. And you had to do it again and again and again and again. Jesus the lamb would remove sin. The word here translated take away means to blot it out, to kill it, to remove it. So this would not be something that had to be repeated every week or every year or ever. This was once for all. Third, shocking truth, Jesus' death would benefit the whole world. Jesus' death would deal with sin, would blot it out, not just for Israel, but for the world. That's why God the Father sent him to earth. That's why Jesus became man, to be our sin bearer. So Jesus will die for people scattered all over the world. The wrath of God, God's punishment against sin, is removed by the blood of the Lamb for all who turn to him. You must turn to him. Now, when John points out Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he doesn't mean that every person in the world is automatically saved, automatically has their sin removed. He means that every person in the world, Jew or Gentile, will be saved if they believe Jesus and follow him, if they receive the sacrifice of this lamb, if they believe their sin is taken away by this lamb, if they believe God's wrath has been removed by the lamb and there is no nationality, no ethnicity, no socioeconomic status that is excluded. And that's why John 1.12 says, to as many as receive him who believe on his name, that their sins are taken away. And the wrath of God is removed, and they are made the children of God, and they're given eternal life. So the word world here refers to people without any distinction, not without exception, but people everywhere, Jew, Gentile, people all over, without distinction. Now some will not believe. Some will choose not to turn to Christ alone. But there will be people from every nation, tribe, language, and ethnicity who do believe. He is definitely a lamb for the world. And I would say to you today as we, as we remember Christ's death for us, that you, as I have needed to, must turn from your sin to Christ alone or there is no salvation. That's what Jesus says. And then we come to the last book of the Bible and we're told that the Lamb is there as well. Four times it describes Jesus as the Lamb who was slain, sfadzo, butchered, slaughtered, and yet he's alive. He's been butchered, but he's alive. He's the living sacrifice. And as we enter Holy Week, that's what we think of that's what we realize and in revelation millions of angels and angelic creatures and the elders join in a loud voice and they sing revelation 5 12 worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise the slaughtered lamb is our only hope he's our only salvation and as we enter holy week we must 
reverently remember that sacrifice. We must be in awe of that. We cannot and we must not bypass the agony of the cross. It is crucial that we not just skip from today the the celebration of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which in itself was a tragedy, not understood. And skip right over that to Easter Sunday, he's alive, the resurrection. Because we must not forget the agony, the pain, the sacrificial butchering of the Son of God for us, for our sin. Because if we pass over that, that agony, we will fail to appreciate the depth of our sin and the vast ocean of God's great love. And when we understand that, when we gain appreciation, it will free us to to celebrate the eternal reality of the resurrection. That the slaughtered lamb lives forever as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. The lamb who was slain and yet is alive, guaranteeing life and victory for all who believe. I want to ask some questions for you to think about. Are you indifferent to Jesus? You know, that can happen so easily, especially if you grow up in a home where your parents worship, they love Jesus, they seem like good Christian people, and you can get bored and indifferent to the reality of who Jesus is. Maybe you're not overly concerned about what this means to you, but let me tell you that your sin, as mine, requires that blood be applied. There's only one way to escape the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve. You either give your life and receive the wrath of God poured down on you, or you accept the slaughtered lamb as your sacrifice, where the wrath of God poured out on his holy, perfect son. So look to the Lamb. Let me ask, maybe you're a victim of violence, of abuse, of neglect. I've seen that during these days, domestic violence calls are up. People who are in close quarters and have anger issues or substance abuse issues or creating havoc within their families. Maybe you have been wounded. Maybe you've been damaged more deeply than you feel could ever be repaired. And I want to point you to the lamb today. He was disfigured. He was wounded. He was slaughtered for your failures. He understands your weaknesses. He alone can bind up your wounds and heal you completely. Or maybe you're struggling under the weight of your sin, your failure, your guilt, your shame, your grief, your bitterness. Look to the Lamb. He alone can soothe and forgive and cleanse and make you whole. The debt you owe cannot be settled in any other way, only by the blood of Christ, the Lamb of God. Are you frightened by what this pandemic is doing to your life? to your business? Are you scared of what's ahead 
financially? Are, are you frightened by the prospect of, of the future, of, of whatever might be ahead, uh, but, but maybe mourning those who have died in your family? Or maybe you're concerned about your own health or the end of your own life. And I say, look to the Lamb. He conquered sin and death and hell. He holds the key to real life now and forever. Reach out in faith and receive his promise. You are freed from your sin by his blood. First Peter 1 says a beautiful thing to believers. It says, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's what's true for everyone whose trust is in Christ, no matter how new or old that is if your faith is in jesus if you've received his gift that's what's true of you you've been redeemed there's been a perfect lamb who has sacrificed for you you know i'm so glad i didn't have to bring a lamb to church today i and i'm really glad that as a pastor i don't have to butcher animals as a part of worship because god provided the one and only lamb and his name is jesus So I invite you to remember him, to celebrate him, to honor him in the way in which Jesus taught us on the night that he was betrayed. Let us celebrate his worth with the bread and the cup. I urge you now for those at home to get those elements together, if you have them at the ready, whatever bread that you have to symbolize, to remember the body of Christ that bore the weight of our sin. The juice representing his blood spilled out for us that we might have life. And though we're not gathered together to be able to remember our Lord here in one building, we can do so in the various places in which we are and bring him honor and praise. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16 and 17. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Let me pray, and then we'll invite you to eat and drink together. Lord God, we thank you for your great provision for us. Far beyond what we can ask or imagine or certainly deserve, Your great love which sent Jesus into this world is beyond our ability to express or appreciate. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross, that you, the perfect Son of God, become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us now. In fact, you are helping to bind us together, to unite us as one body, though we are separated by miles and miles and continents for some of us. You bind us together into the body of Christ, assuring us that we belong. 
the children of the living God through faith in Jesus. Lord, we consecrate these elements to you. In our homes, wherever we're at right now, these elements, they are about remembering what you have done because you have done what we could never do for ourselves. So Lord, be honored as we give thanks to you for all that you have made possible. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Then Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, spilled for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. We say, thanks be to God. Worthy is the Lamb.
blood that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you. Drink and remember he drained his cup that all may enter in to receive the life of God. So we share in this bread of life and we Let's sing this together to close. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the Rest beyond.
and thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Now sing, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious, high and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, thank you for the cross, Lord, thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame, in love you and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Son of 
crown him. Crown him with many crowns. The Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. to pronounce a benediction over you, a good word, which is only possible because of the Lamb who is worthy. Receive this word from Revelation chapter 1. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Live in peace, because worthy is the Lamb. We pray for healing, for prosperity. 